Hey everybody, today and for the whole month of August, we are reflecting on artists who are no longer with us. We asked you, the listeners, via our Krista Makes a Podcast Facebook page, what artists and songs you would like us to discuss, and Amy Winehouse was mentioned numerous times. Amy was an amazing singer-songwriter from England, and together with my co-host and producer of this show, Chris Fafalius, we take a deep dive into her smash hit, Rehab, taken from her 2006 album, Back to Black. Amy accomplished so much over the course of just two full-length albums, and her star today is brighter than ever. Talk about someone who was ahead of their time. Chris and I hope you like this episode as much as we like breaking it down. Enjoy. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Well, hey, Chris, we're back for week two of our August series of reflecting on artists that are no longer with us. And this week, we're going to jump into Rehab by Amy Winehouse. I was really excited for this one. I'm a giant Amy Winehouse fan, and Rehab seemed to be the song to do. It seems to be her, her signature song, even though I will note, Chris, in looking up, like, I assume this was her most popular song. It's actually based on Spotify plays and YouTube plays. It actually isn't. Back to Black is actually her biggest song if you go by those metrics, which was surprising to me. We only And that's the title track from her second and final studio album, Back to Black, which was released in 2006. And, and uh, Rehab is from that record. But that's that's amazing. <laughs> this Her whole story is amazing, Chris. And I got to be honest with you. I, I've mentioned this before, how this podcast has really opened my eyes to things. A lot of times when I would see artists, and this is very uh, selfish of me. You know, if I saw artists that were what I'm going to call tabloid fodder, I kind of dismiss them. I'm like, oh, they're young. They're just, this is all about attention. Maybe they're not the real deal. And I couldn't have been more completely wrong about Amy Winehouse. She, <laughs> I have so much to say about this woman. She is the real deal. I think I'm on the same page as you that her reputation or what the media pushed as her reputation is what I knew about her before I even knew her music, which is a shame because over the years I've become such a giant fan. I think she is in my lifetime one of the most, whatever you want to call it, she's one of the most musically gifted people of my entire lifetime. I would have to agree, and I felt a a sadness the last two days that I want to get over with this episode. I want to celebrate the, uh, Amy's life because the sadness I felt, I didn't really have it last week when we were talking about Tony. I think I've had 10 years to process my feelings with Tony. And I never, again, self-admittedly, never really got into Amy Winehouse back in the day because of maybe the controversy uh, and everything surrounding her. But digging into her catalog, I, first of all, I can't believe that she was 
21 probably when she wrote this, 22 when she recorded Back to Black, when she recorded this song, Rehab. I guess the term old soul, she just sounds like she's a 50-year-old soul singer. It's unreal. I can't believe she's part of you know, famously part of the 27 Club, people that died at 27 years old. Chris, Amy Winehouse was only on this earth for less than 10,000 days and created this music and had this voice that is going to live on for longer than our lifetimes, for sure. But this song won three Grammys that year. It won Record of the Year, Song of the Year, and Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. This song lives on. Everybody knows this song. And what's crazy about this song to me is how profoundly sad it is. It's an uplifting, fun, danceable song. Just the sound of it and her performance of it. But when you dive into the lyrics, which we're obviously going to do, she's literally singing. She's literally screaming out about her problems. And I won't lie to you, Chris. Of course, I've sung these lyrics a million times, but it was diving into here and really like researching what specific lines were about. I got like a little bit emotional reading this and thinking about, just like you said, she was such tabloid fodder and how, you know, I didn't know much about her, but I wasn't like sticking up for her to people. You know, the one thing that caused me some sadness was watching the video for this song and seeing how how full her face and full of life she looked. My last images of her are this gaunt woman that, you know, then I don't know what tabloid it was over in the UK, the, the Globe or the Sun or one of them, but posting these just really unflattering pictures of her. And she just didn't look good in the last months of her life. It was, it was tremendously sad. Her first record came out in 2003. It was called Frank. And I read that the title came from the nature and the tone of her lyrics, but it was also dedicated to Frank Sinatra. And (laughs) I want to kind of jump into what I'm hearing here. I mean, I'm hearing soul, rhythm and blues, jazz. I'm hearing Aretha Franklin. I'm hearing some Sam Cooke. I'm hearing all these influences from this white woman from Great Britain. How did she channel this? You you can't, we've talked about this on the show, Chris. You cannot take vocal lessons or be styled to do something like this. I, I could go to walk to the ends of the earth. I could work with the best vocal coaches and they'd put me in the studio and say, hey, Chris, try to emulate something like this. There's no way. This was innate. She was born with this. Absolutely, man. You can't learn Her vocal stylings, her talent. I mean, as a writer too, man, that's what's crazy is there are people out there that are amazing performers, amazing singers, and then you have people that are amazing writers. She was everything. Performer, just across the board, just once again, I don't mean to be hyperbolic or something, but I do think that she was one of the most talented people of definitely of my lifetime. Let me say this. There are several documentaries about her. I think the best one, I've seen them all. I think the best one is one that's just called Amy, tells her story, and it shows some stuff of her writing these songs, performing them, just her in an acoustic guitar. Incredible. I assumed that she, at least, just because her voice is so good, I didn't know that she also wrote everything, you know? Well, that's what's incredible. As we were talking about doing these episodes to reflect on artists that were no longer with us, 
when, when she came up, it was like, well, did she write this? So we started researching it and it's just like, it's unreal. Again, um, I'm sad that uh, I didn't get to see, we didn't get to see where she would be today. What kind of music would she be creating? Because Chris, this song, it has a Motown feel to it. It has soul, rhythm and blues, her vocal delivery. She's so behind the beat where she's singing. It's mm-hmm. in this pocket. That's nothing you can fix in Pro Tools. That is the way she delivered and sang this song. Where did that come from? And at the same time, it has a, a retro feel. Like I could pick out certain uh, styles and stuff that I just laid out, but it's not a throwback. It's not forced. It doesn't sound dated. This sounds like it could it could have come out today. Absolutely. I mean, I do think it is. This album in particular definitely was intentionally a throwback to that Motown sound. And I don't know if that was all her. I assume Mark Ronson has a lot to do with that. Amazing producer and songwriter. He's unbelievable. But Chris, I don't know. Did you know that Amy Winehouse also did some ska stuff. Did you ever hear her? Her She did like a, I don't know if it was an EP, but she definitely had some ska songs. And now that you say that, I want to say when we were over in the UK at some point, somebody may have mentioned that. Now I know that, now I understand. Us a big monkey man. La, 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 la. That's awesome. I I just can't get over her voice. I can't get over that she was 22 when she did this record. Again, her first record, Frank, came out in 2003. The second record, Back to Black, in 2006. And then in 2011, uh, there was a record called Lioness, Hidden Treasures, which was a posthumous compilation album. And there was a track on there called Body and Soul, a duet that she did with Tony Bennett. I don't know if you're familiar with that track. Right, yeah. Yeah, I am. My life a wreck you're making You know I'm yours But just a taken I'd gladly serve you And again, here she was um, working with people. Tony Bennett was from a complete, that's like my grandparents' generation. And and here she is just crossing these boundaries. And again, I, I wonder what she would have been doing today. She just was so ahead of, I, I think, of her time. Yeah, I mean, after her death, which was on July 23rd of 2011, she broke the Guinness World Record for the most songs by a woman to simultaneously appear on the UK singles chart at, at the same time with eight she definitely, for all the hard time she was given by the scumbag tabloids and stuff like that, all the hard time people gave her, you also saw an outpouring of love for her music. And not only does that speak to her talent, but I think that also speaks to her pouring her soul out into her songs and people just grasping onto that. Chris, I won't lie to you. I have done that. I have gone to her music at some of my lowest points. She has a song called Tears Dry on Their Own. It's it's actually my personal favorite by her. That has been one of my all-time favorite songs since probably the first or second time I ever heard it. He walks away The sun goes down He takes the day But I'm gone I'm 
Yeah, Tears Dry on their own has been a song that has made me feel better at some of my lowest points. So I've been one of those people. I think that that's just amazing. And I wish she could have felt that a little bit more in her life. Chris, one of the saddest parts of that Amy documentary was she's at the Grammys winning multiple Grammys and she's just like numb to it. She like doesn't even care, you know, uh-huh. and, and it's just she, she's so uh, deep into addiction at that point that these things that most people it would be the the crowning achievement in their life. She doesn't seem to care about it. It's, it's really, really sad. Yeah. Here, here was the pinnacle of what she probably dreamed about since she was a little girl. She's there and, and she's not feeling it, which is so sad. The other thing, you know, the first record in 03, uh, presumably she was probably touring that whole time up until 2006 with back to black, but then there was nothing else for five years except the compilation album of, of uh, outtakes and B sides. So those last five years that tells you right there, that that think that things were going south because she was so prolific on these first couple records. You know she had music in her, but but her struggles and her addictions were were, were just taking her down. Yeah, and this song when we dive into this song, man, there's so many things. A lot of things I probably assumed or kind of knew, but when I did the research for this, obviously there's a lot of info out there. There's you don't have to do a lot of guessing on this song what certain things are about. And, you know, with other songs like we did No Use for Name last week and that we had to guess we had to make our own assumptions about certain things with this song. I think there's a, a lot of info out there about exactly what things are about. Yeah. And question for you, Chris, I d- didn't research this. Where was she playing in the U.S. around this time? Uh, was she doing arenas? Was she, you know, because obviously um, in the U.K. she was just massive. You know what? I have no idea. I don't ever remember so this would have been, you know, when this hit, this was around 2000, this was 2007. I never remember seeing like, hey, Amy Winehouse is at the arena. Amy Winehouse is at the the bigger venue in town. I don't remember that. Either do I. And I almost think that her star is just, you know, is so much bigger than what it was than at least in the United States. I feel like it has eclipsed her star when she was alive. So, Chris, I just pulled it up on Google, and one of the first things that came up from May 5th of 2007 that she played the Electric Factory in Philly, where you and I have played together before. And she played at Coachella. And so she did do venues like here and there in in the United States, venues that, you know, the, the big venue in town, but not necessarily arenas at that point. And I think she would have. And again, I'll, I'll stick to my point. I think her star today eclipsed what, what it was then. I think that her legend has just grown and grown. Um, unfortunately, uh, probably due in part to her, to her untimely uh, passing at such a young age, which is, which is unfortunate. But uh, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> again, these episodes, I wish so badly she was with us. We could talk about the song. The best we can do is talk to each other about it. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm loving these these episodes because, again, I'm I'm able to go and find artists that that I kind of missed or overlooked. And, and in this case, I missed because of all, all the tabloid stuff that I said at the top. I think I just kind of wrote it off. Oh, how many times have we heard this story? I don't want to hear this again. And I was wrong. I was wrong. I missed uh, an incredible artist. I'm really happy we're doing this. And maybe there's a few people out there who are listening to this that are like, oh, my God, Amy Winehouse, you're doing that and didn't realize the talent she was. Chris, I really hope 
on your next leg of the tour that you'll put this album on in the bus at some point. I'm sure your bandmates will like it too. It's hard to not like this album. It's amazing. I'll give you some uh, credit again, Chris. When you started this podcast, you, you told me a lot of things about it. You said, oh, you're a songwriter. It's going to do this, 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 and this. It's it's eclipsed everything. I it, It's opened up so many different uh, doors to me, and I have completely fallen in love with music again and, and this is just another example of that I want to get into the song right now the song is three minutes and 36 seconds there's this intro right off the top I say intro it's it's chorus one I mean just hits you with it the most catchiest thing ever there's this 70s sounding sounds like almost like a Wurlitzer organ panned left uh, or that's a, a bass maybe running through an old organ with effects or something reminds me of, 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 of I don't know Stevie Wonder it's just such such a cool effect and there's these soul type Motown R&B drums with either side stick shots on a snare or almost it almost sounds like feet are stomping. And they would do that a lot in the Motown back then. A lot of times they would put bells or chains on their feet and, and stomp on them to give to give that sound. And That's so this, awesome. <laughs> I know. They tried to make me go to rehab. I said no, no, no. Yes, I've been black, but when I come back, no, no, no. I ain't got the time. And if my daddy thinks I'm fine, just try to make me go to rehab. I won't go, go, go. I want to make mention that the only backing vocals in this song are what I'm calling gang vocals. They're on the no, 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 and that's N-O, as in no, and then the no, like I know something, K-N-O-W. That's the only times that there's backing vocals in the song. The rest of it, and I attribute it to having that personal feel. This Mm -hmm. is her talking. She didn't want a bunch of voices on this. This was her perspective, her point of view, and that really comes across here. The lyric is, they tried to make me go to rehab, I said, no, no, no. There's those gang vocals. Yes, I've been black, but when I come back, you'll know, no, no. I ain't got the time. And if my daddy thinks I'm fine, just try to make me go to rehab. I won't go, go, go. And actually, on the last go, 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 that's the other part where there's the backing vocals. And there is on the line, I ain't got the time. There's these holdouts of I underneath, and they're these backing vocals that are very, very subtle, but they're not major parts, just kind of kind of layered back there and just catchy from the get-go. It's absolutely incredible, and I can't believe what the subject matter is. The fact that she was able to match up such heartbreaking subject matter and make it sound so uplifting and happy, this is insane because when you read the lyrics this song this song's so insanely sad getting ready for this episode i even got sadder i told you that already i didn't know who was trying to get her to go to rehab was her management they were trying to get her to go and she would ask advice from people that she loved she didn't trust the management but her dad who when you watch the amy winehouse documentary the amy one He does not come off good at all. Like, I really don't like her dad. Apparently, he failed to see her problems, which is where the line, and if my daddy thinks I'm fine, comes from. 
right off the bat, it's so sad because her management, who she doesn't think care about, maybe she probably thinks these people are just trying to make money off me. They actually do care about her well-being. They're trying to get her to go to rehab. I mean, yeah, their own best interest, their own self-interest is part of it, but also you don't want her to die, you know? Well, yeah, and I, but I think at the end of the day that, uh, you know, we, we've seen it time and time again, unless the person uh, in, in the thunderstorm wants to help themselves, right. no matter how hard they get pushed. Uh, you know, a lot of people like to cast blame at others. Was it her parents? Was it management? And, and, and really, we'll never know. I think it's a, it's a combination of a lot of things. Here's a quote from Mark Ronson uh, when he was on DJ Zane Lowe's show for BBC Radio. It was in an episode from July 18th, 2011, which was five days before her death, Chris. And uh, he basically says he was walking down the street with Amy. We were in New York and we'd been working together for about a week and we were walking to some store. She wanted to buy a present for her boyfriend and she was telling me about a specific time in her life that was... And he, he's quoted as saying, he feels bad, like talking about a friend like this, but I think I've told this story enough times. But she hit like a certain low and her dad came over to try and talk some sense into her. And she was like, he tried to make me go to rehab. And I was like, no, no, no. And the first thing I was like, ding, ding, ding. Like, I mean, I'm supposed to be like, how was that for you? And all I'm like is we've got to go back to the studio, you know? Right. So to Mark Ronson's credit, he heard a song out of that, mm-hmm. which uh, has, has become one of her staple songs. Now, now, uh, could you look at him and say, how, how could you uh, exploit somebody? But he's, he, he's a producer. And, and again, going back to what we were talking about a moment ago, there's so many different factors here at the end of the day. Uh, she just couldn't help herself, I think. Yeah, okay, so now you say that, you tell me that story, and in that story, she's saying that her dad was trying to get her to go to rehab, and once again, I should know this just like anyone else, when you make a documentary or something like that, you can paint whatever picture you want to paint, you know, and so I shouldn't make that assumption based on a documentary that I saw, but I mean, in the lyric here, it says, and if my daddy thinks I'm fine, <laughs> that's that kind of uh, uh-huh. that reemphasized what I the opinion I had because of that documentary. That's all I'm saying. But sure, I shouldn't make any assumptions. I'm not there. You are right, Chris. It isn't until the person wants to help themselves. You can't really point blame. Well, here's something else. How many episodes have we done now, Chris? We've been at this over two years. These are some of the most literal lyrics that yeah. I've come across, right? Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, this this whole thing, once again, it's amazing that she was able to turn this into such an uplifting song telling this sad story. I feel like it only gets sadder as we go along, too. Oh, why don't you come on over Valerie? Hey, everybody, don't go anywhere. We'll be back with this very special Amy Winehouse edition of Krista Makes a Podcast after a few words from our sponsors. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.
Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. As many of you may know, I've played in the band Punchline for most of my life. Well, I'm here to tell you that we just released a new song. It's called Can I Get a Break? And I think the title of the song, which is also the main hook of the song, is pretty relatable to how we're all feeling lately. Here's a little preview for you. How many times am I gonna have to start again? How many times am I gonna have to refresh? Cause I put my shoes on every day and I walk out that door. I'm getting tired, waiting patiently for progress. Can I Get a Break by my band Punchline is now streaming at all the places where you can listen to music. So if you like the way it sounds, go check it out. Did you have to go to jail? But your house on for sale. Did you get a good lawyer? And now, back to the show. Something else I want to say about this song, and, and I mean this with the utmost compliment. I wish I could write a song this catchy and simple. There's not much to this track. The production and her vocals, what sells it. The arrangements really, really stripped down. There's no bridge in this song. Uh, Continuing with our theme from last week with no use for a name. There's no bridge in that song. There's no bridge here. It doesn't need one. But man, the feel, the whole feel changes here in verse one. I'd rather be at home with Ray. I ain't got 70 days because there's nothing. There's nothing you can teach me that I can't learn from Mr. Hathaway. I didn't get a lot in class, but I know it don't come in a shot glass. Yeah, there's so much stuff here, man. First of all, I didn't know that the Ray and Mr. Hathaway, I guess I should have known this. I'd rather be home with Ray is referring to Ray Charles. I'd rather be Mm -hmm. home, you know, whether it's listening to or singing along to Ray Charles. And that Mr. Hathaway was Donnie Hathaway. You taught me precious secrets of a true love holding nothing. You came out in front when I was hiding. He was born in 1945. He passed away in 1979 at the age of 33. He was paranoid and delusional in a studio session, and the producer cut the sessions. He went home to his 15th-story apartment and jumped out the window and committed suicide. So uh, that, that's, what, that's what she's referencing here, which is, which is pretty crazy. That is really crazy. You know, and the, the Ray, which now I know is Ray Charles, I always assumed that she was singing about her husband— whose name is actually Blake, 
And what's crazy about that, I didn't even know this. I just assumed his name was Ray. When she would play this live, she would say Blake instead of Ray. Really? Yeah. And another thing, once again, I'm basing this off the documentary. Apparently, Blake was who introduced Amy to like hard drugs. Mm. Uh, so I I've seen a lot of things. You can't put all the blame on him. He was an addict himself as well. And we're going to get into more of that. There's more stuff in the lyrics that has to do with their relationship. Yeah. But uh, I thought. That was interesting. I always assumed that Ray was the name of her husband. No, it was actually Blake, and she's referencing Ray Charles here. Another thing that I thought was interesting here, Chris, which I never thought about and didn't really know, is that a stint in rehab is usually 30 to 60 days. So for Amy to sing, I ain't got 70 days, suggests that her condition was pretty severe at this point. And then, of course, what we just... Uh... Uh, reference because there's nothing there's nothing you can teach me that I can't learn from Mr. Hathaway talking about uh, his struggles and, and his his suicide. Which wow. Is, which oh, is back up a second. I just OK. Now I just connected that you told the story. Wow. The whole time I'm thinking she's talking about you can't learn from his music, but maybe you're saying that his story of how he how he passed but that's what you could lear learn. Just look yeah. at his life. Wow. Okay, dude. I never yeah. even thought of that. I'm thinking she was a big fan of him. I think he was an influence, and I think that uh, that his his passing, she she saw a lot of herself in him. That, that's that's what I'm taking away from this now that that I'm I'm getting into the story and learning it. A lot going on musically here. There's a guiro. Do you know what a guiro is, Chris? I do. You guys, in less than Jake, <laughs> used one recently, and and we had a we discussion did, about and, it, and we <laughs> and we took it out of the song because of you. Because of me, I just know that I was like, it was just loud in the mix. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. <laughs> yes, but a guero is a Latin American percussion instrument consisting of an open-ended hollow gourd with parallel notches cut into one side. And you take this stick mm -hmm. and you rake it across. And we got the guero panned off left. There's a trumpet and a berry sax that are here. The baritone sax is just growling. A piano is kind of panned off right. There's these tubular bells that come in in this verse that are front and center. Uh, bass, drums, and keys are happening here. And uh, again, the whole feel changes here. The line, I didn't get a lot in class, but I know it don't come in a shot glass. I'm considering that the pre-chorus. I included that as part of the verse, Chris, but I'm saying that's a pre-chorus because yeah. it it does change there. And when it happens again in verse two, pre-chorus two, the lyrics are different there, but uh, it, it changes musically. So I'm going to say that's a pre-chorus uh, as a setup for chorus two. On the line, I didn't get a lot in class. There's these ahs, these backing vocals. But they're, they're not really harmonies, per se. That's why I'd said there's not much in lieu of harmonies here. It's, it's pretty naked with just Amy's voice. But the ah backing vocals come in. They're very subtle and low in the mix. Uh, and they break down to almost 
hand claps here on this pre-chorus. It's And that's that kind of Motown beat that, that we still hear in like power pop music that we talked about descendants and all pop, 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 pop. And it's just such a great feel uh, here. I love the instrumentation. I love how this part is so different from the chorus, but it, it meshes together perfectly. I didn't get a lot in class, but I know it don't come in a shot glass. That just seems obvious. Uh, it makes me think that maybe from a young age, she realized her gifts, knew music is what she was going to do, didn't care about class as much. <laughs> you know, like it, it makes me think that I don't know if that's true or not. That's just what I take away from that. I don't know anything about that particular line. I don't know. I, I think that uh, it, it's kind of literal, this line. Maybe there's more to it, but I, I think it just says what it says. I didn't get a lot in class, but I know it don't come in a shot class. She's she's not going to learn from having another shot. It's not going to teach her anything that she she already has learned. Right. That's, that's, what, that's what I got out of that lyric. Uh, we go immediately into chorus two. And chorus two is pretty much a carbon copy of the chorus off the top, except there are horns present in this chorus that weren't there at the top of the song. And as I'm combing through this song was one of those things like, what's different here? It took me probably three listens to go, oh, the horns weren't at the top. You know, once again, she's working with Mark Ronson. The dude's a genius. He's made so many hits. And, you know, I'm sure that he had something to say about that. You know, the dude knows how to build a song. Yeah. And I mean, look, I play in a ska punk band. I've been around horns my, my whole career. Uh, I, I love them when they're executed well. These are executed perfectly. I mean, they, they, they couldn't have had better placement. Uh, the mix on this song, we haven't really talked about the mix. Uh, her vocal, it just sits in the mix in such a pocket. It's not like a super loud pop vocal where it's hitting you between the eyes super loud. It's laying back with everything else, kind of like how those old soul records were mixed. It's just perfect. They hit it out of the park with the mix. Chorus two goes immediately into verse two. said why you think you hear i said i got no idea i'm gonna i'm gonna lose my baby so i always keep a bottle near he said i just think you're depressed this me yeah baby and the rest there's a lot here man there's a lot of stuff here yeah there's some innuendos here that i don't know if i'm gonna be able to uh, discern first of all one thing that stuck out to me is the the man said, why you think you hear? 
I said, I got no idea. The I got no idea line, I feel like it's so telling. It suggests that Amy didn't believe she had a problem. Or at least that's what she was saying, you know? In denial. And, and who's the man? Did, did she check into rehab and leave? You know, is that, was that the intake person at the, at the rehab facility that, that was saying that to her? Uh, is that her dad? Is that the producer? Is that the mm. management? Who's the man that, that said that? I assumed that it was somebody at the rehab clinic, which is crazy that I would think that because she's saying she's not going to go to rehab. But <laughs> right. I guess I just always thought or assumed that she had already been in rehab and that she's not going to go back to rehab. I pictured that being like a therapist or something or, or somebody working at the clinic, but I don't know. Yeah, and I love musically what happens here. Again, the music here isn't really different from verse one, except now there's these synth strings that are here in the verses with everything else from verse one. They are super present in the mix, very 60s, 70s sounding, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like the loudest thing in the mix, but man, it just hits you, and it just makes this song lift in, in this second verse. Not much else has changed. It's just those strings for this, but it, it's perfect. They didn't all of a sudden bring in tambourines and bring in an extra guitar part or an extra vocal part or extra harmony. It was just it was just the strings, but it was perfect. It was just enough to, to set this apart from verse one. She could sing this song a cappella, and it's going to be amazing. And add all this production that takes this song you or I could sing this song. It's still going to be a good song. You know, like mm -hmm. the song itself is amazing. And then add a person who could sing the phone book, you know, and is going to sound amazing. And it's just no wonder it was song of the year. No wonder this song lives on. What do you think the I'm going to lose my baby line is? Because I never I, really thought about that line too much. And then when I researched it, I'm like, oh, my God. That is I, one of the I, most powerful lyrics in the song. I don't know. Did was she pregnant? Did she have a miscarriage, or, or was 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 she talking about losing her her boyfriend? I don't know. What I read about it was the "I'm gonna lose my baby" line was referring to her husband Blake, meaning that if you have a whole relationship based on drinking and doing drugs together, if one of the people stops doing those things. That's the end of the relationship. If she gets clean, she's afraid the relationship's going to end. Ah, so she always keeps a bottle near, which is the next lyric. So I always keep a bottle near. That's really interesting. The next line, too. He said, I just think you're depressed. And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming she's referring to the man, which is the first lyric you get on verse two. He said, I just think you're depressed. This me, comma, yeah, baby, comma, and the rest. That line I'm not sure about, but I will tell you this. She said in an interview, I do drink a lot. I think it's symptomatic of my depression. I'm a manic depressive. I'm not an alcoholic, which sounds like an alcoholic in denial. So mm. it's hard to wrap my mind about that. It's like she knows that she's depressed. She says she's not an alcoholic, but she also knows that she sounds like an alcoholic that's in denial. There's just a, a lot to unpack there from her own words. Sure. And on pre-chorus two here, you get those ahs, those backing vocals. They're here again. And the strings here are super loud on this second pre-chorus. And it just lifts this part to go into chorus three. Yeah, baby. 
which this is interesting, Chris. Usually you'll get a half chorus at the top of the song or the second chorus, and you'll get the double chorus at the end. You only get a half chorus here. And it's so cool because you're, you're expecting to get a full chorus. And it, it's just such a, such a cool turnaround. The lyric is, they tried to make me go to rehab. I said, no, no, no. Yes, I've been black. But when I come back, you'll know, no, no. And we didn't talk about that earlier, Chris. Yes, I've been black. Does that mean I've, I've been blacked out? That would be what I'd assume, yeah. It's an interesting way to put it. You know, I I mean, you could also think like I went into the darkness or something. Uh That's, you know, one of those things. But blacked out, that seems to make sense with the subject matter of the song. I would agree. And again, can't stress enough. This half chorus, I I just love it. I'm going to take a page out of it. How many times have I said this? I'm going to I want to write a song where I I hit him with the chorus, the double the first and second time. And later on, maybe only give him a half of one. You don't go to a bridge here. There's no musical interlude. There's no departure. The lyrics keep hitting you. We're in verse three. You get a third verse here. Chris, and this is. I want to argue with you for a second. Yeah. I, I want to disagree. I know that this is musically a third verse, but the way her melodies change here on this part coming up, I might argue that this is a bridge. No. taken but does the bridge continue on to and it's not just my pride it's just till these tears have dried because i'm calling that pre-chorus three because it has the same feel as the other parts that i'm calling the pre-chorus look i'm not saying i'm right here because it's not a musical departure but in my eyes it's a melodic departure Uh and it feels different it feels like it goes to a different place based purely on her melodies here i was thinking maybe we're going to get into our first uh, online argument here on krista (laughs) makes a podcast (laughs) i didn't mean argument just just disagreement just disagreement well we'll agree to disagree you know chris i didn't think about that and i I, i'm going to give you uh i'll give the point to you on this i could consider this a departure so we'll go uh We'll go bridge slash verse three slash departure here. And the lyric is, I don't ever want to drink again. I just, ooh, I just need a friend. I'm not going to spend 10 weeks and have everyone think I'm on the mend. And it's not just my pride. It's just till these tears have dried. I would say in my own personal notes going through these lyrics that the I just, ooh, I just need a friend line might be the saddest line of the song. I never really thought about that until I was breaking it down on my side. It makes me, when I hear this, it makes me want to say like, I'll be your friend, Amy. But the truth is, in actuality, if I went back to 2007 and I was around, say I played bass in Amy's band or something, with all that she was going through, it was probably hard to be her friend. We've all probably, anyone listening to this has probably been there, whether you've personally gone through it or or a loved one or a friend, that you think you're going to be the person to be able to be there for them, but it's hard. It's hard to be a friend to someone who's going through this. 
Who are your friends when you're that big of a star anymore? Everyone's telling you what you want to hear. Nobody tells you no. Nobody tells you you're wrong. You know, is is this my real friend or is this just somebody else just trying to gain something off of me? So that line hit me pretty hard right there. Uh, I'm not going to spend 10 weeks and have everyone think I'm on the mend. Uh, basically, like, I'm not going to go waste my time and make you think I'm, I'm better because I'm not better. That line to me is crazy and have everyone think that I'm on the mend because it sounds throughout the song like she's referencing that she doesn't have a problem. She doesn't uh-huh. need to go to rehab. But now this line, it makes it sound like she does know that she has a problem and she doesn't want everyone to think she's on the men just because she went to rehab, like as if she knows she's going to fail and she doesn't even want to fake it like rehab worked for her. Maybe that's the overall feeling of this song is that she knows she needs to go, but she also knows that it's not going to do anything for her. Yeah, it, it's not going to work. And, you know, you're you're calling this the bridge. Musically, it's different from the other verses, as you pointed out. The, the melody does change here. Uh, the music, though, is pretty much the same as verse one and verse two. The piano panned off right gets way busier here than the other verses. It's awesome. What the piano's doing here, it's, again, there wasn't, Five different instruments and different parts coming in. It's just the piano gets busier, but it's it's enough to separate this part. On what I'm calling the pre-chorus three, and it's not just my pride, it's just till these tears have dried, the ah, backing vocals come in again, and the strings are super loud on this pre-chorus to take us into the fourth chorus of the song. And this is a full chorus. Something else, Chris, we haven't talked about. Not one lyric changes in this chorus at all. It didn't need to. Interesting. Yeah, I never really thought about that. You're right. It was probably a decision that, you know, you wanted people to be able to sing this chorus. You really wanted to pound this chorus home. And Amy's delivery is so perfect that, yeah, they probably didn't want to mess with the perfection of it. Didn't want to to mix it up and confuse it, I guess. The only mix-up was chorus three going to half a chorus. That was it. And and even then, there was no no lyrical changes. Everything's the same here, except on chorus four. The back half is is the full band drum beat. It doesn't break down there uh, again like the other choruses. It keeps going. And on the last line here, where she says, "I won't go, go, go," the strings come to an awesome crescendo. They just lift and build. It kind of is the loudest thing you hear at the end, and then it just stops. Mm-hmm. And how this song stops. Back in 2006, before she passed, or you know, any any time before she passed uh, in 2011, I never would have thought of this. It never would have hit me. But the way those strings go up to a crescendo and they just stop. Just try to make me go to rehab. I 
there's a finality to it. Oh. There's an it there's an end to it. That's what I feel. I got chills talking about it. It, it, it dude, it's, you just gave me chills. Yeah, it's it's very sad. And when I when I heard that, I kept rewinding it last night, and it just every time it's like, oh, you know, I, I have children now. This was someone's daughter. Yes, she was a star. Yes, she was an icon to people, but uh, she was she was a human being. And Chris, I can't stress enough. I wish she was here. I wish uh, I could see what she she was doing today. I don't think she even scratched the surface of what she could have done as an artist. Just in her short time on this earth, the music that she released, I think she will, she is one of the most iconic artists of all time. This song, I would argue, now, it's not even my favorite Amy Winehouse song. It's up there. It's one of my favorites, but... I would maybe argue that this is one of the top 100 greatest songs of all time. You know, it is so honest, autobiographical, relatable, uplifting, yet profoundly sad. I think it's a perfect, amazing, one of the greatest songs ever written. I really think that. And now the final Hey, everybody, don't go anywhere. We got more Chris to Makes a Podcast after a few words from our sponsors. Ready for a head-bangingly good time? Dive into the world of heavy metal with the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Here, we don't just talk music. We welcome you into our heavy metal family. Join us for candid chats with legends and rising stars. We go beyond the typical interviews, exploring raw emotions and the life-altering impact of heavy metal. So whether you're a diehard metalhead or just curious... Join our family and let the headbanging begin with the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Hello, everyone. Chris Fafalius here. I know you've heard us talk about the Chris to Makes a Podcast supporting cast many times here on the show, but you know what? I'm going to talk about it again. If you go to ChrisToMakes.com and sign up for our supporting cast, You'll help us continue to make this show, which I'm assuming you love. Not only that, but you'll get access to our weekly episode of the After Party Podcast, which I promise is a lot of fun. In fact, you'll get the entire huge back catalog of episodes, including this one I'm about to play a clip from. This one had originally aired right after our episode with Dee Snyder, so we did a time capsule episode that explored everything that was going on in the world in September of 1984 when Twisted Sisters' We're Not Gonna Take It was released. I also noticed, Chris, that 1984 is when Wendy's introduced their big catchphrase. Where's the beef with Clara Peller? <laughs> you got old it. Cla old Clara Peller. That was, I'll tell you, I want to say that that commercial... It may have debuted on like the Super Bowl that year or something. I'm telling you, it was as if you went to bed one night and that wasn't around and you woke up and went to school the next day and everyone from down the down this corridor of a hallway, where's the beef? Where's the beef? It was all, it was huge. Wow. People in 1984 were so stupid. <laughs> yes, we were. Yo, Chris, where's the beef, bro? <laughs> where's the beef? Where's the beef? What does that even mean? 
Uh, it means that the other uh, burger franchises, the McDonald's and the Burger Kings, they skimped on the beef. And Wendy's didn't cut corners. Remember, they had the square patties. That was their slogan for a while too. Oh. We don't cut corners. Oh. So they were they were they were giving you more meat for your money. I get it. I get it now. Yeah. If you want to hear the rest of that episode, plus a ton of other episodes for less than the cost of a meal at Wendy's, head over to ChrisToMakes.com and sign up for our supporting cast. We don't cut corners on the After Party Podcast, and even if you're like me and don't eat meat, you'll still enjoy our beefy bonus episodes. That's ChrisDemakes.com. Go check it out. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Chris to Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is email your best song via MP3 only and a short bio to ban you might not know at gmail.com. This week's featured artist is Dial Drive, a punk rock band from Orlando, Florida. You can find their music on Spotify. Here's a snippet of their song, Missed Call. Chris, before we wrap up here, you know, I, I said at the top that uh, past couple of days, it's, it's, it's been a little sad uh, researching for this episode, but uh, I'm, I'm going to go out uh, on a high note here. I, I, this song, her career, it is amazing and I'm a fan and uh, I, I gain a new artist that, uh, that I, can, I, I can put my musical repertoire and, and, and enjoy in 2022 and that's Amy Winehouse. I mean, for all the sadness around here, the fact is that the music for the most part whether it's a song like this that you could dance to or she has songs that you can wallow to <laughs> you know she has listen to back to black the the title track from this album you have these songs that you know someone out there felt the way you did and maybe even way worse than you did you know to know that there there was someone out there and the music lives on i think that's the happy part in all this, man, is the music's going to continue to live on. It's going to continue to help people. It's going to continue to make people feel good or give people something to feel bad to and then, in essence, feel better. That is what's happy in all this is there's a lot of great music that came out of this this woman's short time on earth. Absolutely. And if you're struggling with uh, addiction of any sort, there is help out there for you. So uh, please find it and uh, and get yourself some help. And thanks to all the listeners for for tuning in this week. This has been uh, been a lot of fun breaking down this song, uh, even even through the unfortunate circumstances of uh, Amy's passing. So thank you so much. Want to uh, dedicate this episode to the memory of Amy Winehouse. May she rest in peace. And we'll see you next week. Ready for a head-bangingly good time? Dive into the world of heavy metal with the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Here, we don't just talk music. We welcome you into our heavy metal family. Join us for candid chats with legends and rising stars. We go beyond the typical interviews, exploring raw emotions and the life-altering impact of heavy metal. So whether you're a diehard metalhead or just curious, join our family and let the headbanging begin with the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Mad Magazine. Advertising mascots. B-movie posters. And cartoons. 
Oh yeah, I can't forget cartoons. If you get the funky connection that ties these pop culture gems together, you'll dig two designers walk into a bar. See, we're a couple of creatively curious pals living between the bookends of grand museums and dive bars. Hey, you know the place, the sweet spot where highbrow and lowbrow become drinking buddies. So join our barroom chats as we talk influential work and uncover stories of how the familiar became iconic. Think behind the music for the stuff we love. Check out our website at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com. And listen wherever you get your podcasts or visit evergreenpodcasts.com.